Hi, I am Emily Hazard. And I'm Becca Anderson. And this is Grey's Anatomy Uncut, a podcast where we discuss and analyze episodes of Grey's Anatomy. Today we're on 311, which is called Six Days Part 1. Six Days was a song by DJ Shadow, whoever the hell that is. And this uh, episode originally aired January 11th, 2007. It's finally 2007. (laughs) Um, First episode of the new year, too. So that's kind of cool. This is like the one that everyone's waiting for after the holiday seasons, and I I feel like it uh, it delivered. Mm-hmm. You want to know why? Because it was written by Krista Vernoff, our girl, our love. How dare you? And directed by Greg Ye- Yanta. <laughs> You know what's funny is that I actually looked up a YouTube video on how to pronounce his name so I could say it right. And like impress everyone, and then I it's been too long. <laughs> Yantis. No, yeah. No. Whatever. Yay. Directed by Greg. Uh twenty three point oh three million viewers, which is down from last episode. Whatever. And fun fact about this episode, this is the first episode to feature a to be continued frame instead of the normal end title card. It also is the second one to feature no opening and no closing voiceover. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool. It's exciting. All right. I don't have any follow-up, and we have been spending so much time in the beginning of these episodes that we're just going to try to click through it this time. All right. I'll start it off, I guess. This episode is so great <laughs> like we have been leading up to the like the the, the this two-parter for so long and to finally be here it's just and like to finally watch it and be like ah yes <laughs> i mean not that good things are happening but it's just it's satisfying i love the choice at the end to have no closing speech and just have a bunch of shots of the characters contemplating life, which we kind of talk about later is, like, a ploy to, like, add time to it. Oh, obviously. I don't know, yeah. but I just kind of like how it brings up kind of, like, these uneasy feelings where you know something's about to happen, but it also just kind of brings up, like, where each of the characters are, you know? Um, they're all kind of in this, like, dark or uncertain times where no one really knows what's happening or, like, what's going on, which, you know spoiler continues (laughs) i also like kind of we get finally they use like harold o'malley and this kind of like father figure parallels because you get thatcher in the hospital and you get these like very interesting parallels between like the super awkward and uncomfortable like comfort like moments between meredith and her father mixed in with like then you get some really great scenes with george and his father and so it's kind of interesting because you get that little because like last episode we had some of the like parallels and like the different moms and so now we kind of get that with dads and so it's kind of cool that's kind of true estrogen testosterone yeah i also like clearly obviously they're going for six days being the thing of the title of the episode but i really liked how the premise of this episode like it's over a couple different days instead of just one day like normal Mm. i kind of i liked that um but yeah Yeah, so I'm just going to add a couple things. I know I'm going to talk endlessly during the episode, so I'm just going to add a little bit right here. Um, First and foremost, Krista Vernoff actually did a really good job changing up the format. I, I 
kind of hate when shows change up the format just to do like something fun, you know? Like, it's just like, oh, we just wanted to change it up for an episode. Let's be different. I just, I don't like it when shows do that. I'm like, there's a reason why your show is popular. There's a reason why people keep coming back week to week. And it's because they enjoy the content that you're putting out. So, like, changing it up too much bothers me. But she, like, kills it. Mm -hmm. This very much still feels like Grey's Anatomy. But it's nothing, it's like nothing we've ever seen before. To split it up like this, to make a two-part episode three and three days a piece, and so like I love that. And then just the other thing that I wanted to mention is that this episode is super critical for kind of starting storylines that will continue to the finale. So like we kind of had like see it's weird because I wouldn't call this episode. The beginning of the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. But in a way, it is. At least it starts the story arcs that finish through to the finale, which are some really long story arcs. But the, yeah. the main theme across all characters, across all story arcs, is commitment. Um, and that's another thing that's a little bit different from season two, is that we have this super strong core theme through pretty much all the characters. Whereas mm-hmm. season two was a little bit like one person was going one direction, one storyline was going another direction. So this is something new as well. When when this episode is over, I'll kind of like really highlight those commitments, like those story arcs and what we're going to see through the rest of the season. But just for the sake of not spoiling what happens in part two, I actually can't right now. Well, maybe at the beginning of next episode. Don't I'll worry, do we'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, Becca and I can talk for days. What? What? And so that's all I have to say for right now. Let's just get into it. Yeah, so again, no opening speech. We hit go right into day one with Lonely Hearts Still Beat the Same by The Research playing. That's a good song, actually. It was pretty catchy. It got stuck in my head. <laughs> And I I do like how each one of these, at least the first three days, starts with the same shot of Meredith and Derek in bed. Yes, I yeah. I like I I really think they needed that establishing shot to make it clear that like a new day is has come mm-hmm. is starting. You know, and I'm glad mm-hmm. Christopher Vernoff decided mm-hmm. to do that. Well, and it's kind of cool because you know a lot of their normal episodes start and end with similar shots and stuff, and now we have it kind of like that recurring theme during the episode and so it's kind of cool whoa the the like just hearing you say that kind of made me think have you ever heard or seen the movie groundhog day mm-hmm. i've tom heard of hanks. it i don't think i've seen it it's but. like not tom hanks what the hell <laughs> i'm sorry tom hanks i'm sorry if you ever are listening to this <laughs> yeah i apologize yeah, tom hanks is an avid listener of this <laughs> yeah there is a one-to-one ratio of Tom Hanks's in the world and Grey's Anatomy uncut viewers. Uh, anyway, but the premise of that movie is that he wakes up and he has the same day over and over and over again. And it's, like, not a great... It's It, it like, kind of becomes an eerie thing where it's, like, you have to redo this day over and over and over again. Yeah. And I kind of... I kind of, like, like that for Grey's Anatomy. I don't know. Something about that, like, vibe really gets me. Gets me going. Anyway, 
Yeah, so we wake up, and Derek is cutely but creepishly staring at Meredith sleeping. Okay, here's the thing. And this was on How I Met Your Mother. I'm not going to claim to own this. But you know how, like, they say that there's this thing where if you are in love with the person that's doing something creepy, the creepiness comes off as romantic. Mm -hmm. But if you don't love them, the behavior comes off as creepy. Yeah. I wonder if that, if, I wonder if we're all a little bit in love with Derek. A little bit. Because it's, like, cute because, like, he just looks so happy and, like, peaceful watching her. But you're also, like... That's kind of weird. <laughs> it, it's a little weird. I don't know if I'd want somebody watching me sleep. See, like that, yeah, that, that's the thing. It's like, I feel like it's cute kind of from like the third party angle where it's like, oh, look how happy he is. But like, if I woke up and someone was like staring at me, I'd be like, what the hell? <laughs> He's like, he, and you know, this is a great segue because he is kind of acting like Edward Cullen. I like to watch you sleep. <laughs> And his hair is out of control. There are three actors in this scene. It's Ellen Pompeo, Patrick Dempsey, and Patrick Dempsey's gargantuan crest of hair. It's just... And you know what? It gets bigger. (laughs) Which is, like, shocking, but just wait. He's going full Weiss, and I don't support it at all. He is right now, like, in these scenes, rocking the, like, quarantine hair. (laughs) to bring us all back into 2020 that's that's what he looks like all of us coming out of our houses after 10 11 weeks of this and it's like oh my god my god except the joke is he had access to hair people he chose this life (laughs) he chose this life i also like how meredith is like what are you some kind of weirdo who watches women sleep Meredith, he ran over a bush to get to you earlier in season one. <laughs> like, come on. He he literally was stalking her in season one. I mean... And she's, like, surprised by this. Like, what? <laughs> Have you missed all the signs? Because they're clearly there. Because they're there. Believe me. <laughs> Meredith, we'll send you our podcast. And you can, wa- you can listen. Mm-hmm. But they're so cute. But they are so adorbs. The scene is so cute, it's actually killing me. <laughs> like, I'm looking at screenshots that I took, and I just want to die. Like, I want to, like, die wrapped up in this scene. Anyway, then we cut to George, who's doing a very interesting... He has a very interesting outfit choice. George, who's dressed up like a jar of mayonnaise, minus a blue hat. I was about to say, he just needs a blue hat. <laughs> like, And... He's holding that, the same jar of mayonnaise, and it's, like, very easy to see that he's dressed up like mayonnaise. A jar of mayonnaise. And, but they do this really cool shot that I don't think they've ever, they ever use an angle like this. It's like they put the camera on the floor beneath TR, and you have, like, the Czech's point of view. Yeah, like the Czech looking up at George. I love it. I really love it. I think that's such a cool shot, and it only lasts, like, two seconds, but it, like, really is, like, dang, Grey's Anatomy getting crafty on this network television show. I also, I know this might be shocking to everyone listening, the millions of people listening to this, but I have a make one change for this episode. Oh, no. Here it comes. (laughs) I just, I honestly, like, I feel like I almost forgot that this check was still a thing. Maybe that's the point? Yeah. Just to play devil's advocate? 
Yeah, see, like, and that's, I get that, like, to be, like, oh, it's still kind of there. But, like, it would have been just, like, even just, like, another, like, if they had another scene in the kitchen and you, like, see it, like, clipped up on the, like, fridge or something. Because, like, he, like, mentioned it. He's, like, I just dropped $8.7 million on the floor. And I was, like, oh, right. She hasn't, like, that hasn't come to a resolve yet. Or, like, if we talked about it in episode 7, 8, or 9. Because we didn't, really. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Is like, I feel like the last time it was really mentioned was, like... Six, I yeah. think. Yeah, and so, like, and there's just been, like, so much else going on. And so, I don't know. Yeah, that's true. If I had I've, to nitpick, that would be my nitpick. I just wonder if they did that on purpose. Mm-hmm. Like, if they were just like, hey, the audience members even forgot... Like, haha, we got you. Yeah, like, it's been around for so long that, like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. You know? I don't know. <laughs> George is just like, would you please, as a favor to me, just put it in the bank, please? Hmm. No. But if you're nice to me for the next seven minutes, I will give you a ride to work. And then she does this, like, ha face. <laughs> oh, I love them. And then George, you don't deserve $8.7 million. And she's like... Oh, so true. So she's true. just sipping her coffee. So true. <laughs> and she's like, you, she's literally like, that's the point, George. <laughs> did you also love how to get her attention, he throws an orange at her newspaper? Did you notice that? And then she looks at him like, I will kill you. <laughs> it was so funny. Oh, my God. I love these two. Uh, the chemistry in this scene, just TR and Katherine Heigl, I want them to reprise, like, in some other television show. Like, it would be amazing if they were cast together again. So then mm-hmm. we cut over to Meredith and Christina. And um, basically the gist of this is that Christina and Burke are not talking. And Christina is, like, harassing everyone in the hospital to figure out anything about Burke's hand. And everyone's like, just ask him. And she's like, I can't. And you're like, Ugh. But in a way, isn't it kind of cute how, like, she... Like, it's very dysfunctional, yes. But, like, isn't it also kind of, like... Like, she's, like, completely owning it. Like, she's like, I just want to know if he's okay. You know what I mean? That's But she's still too proud. Because you're clearly, like, watching this and you're like, this is not a healthy relationship. But it's also just, like, so funny because she's like... They're like, you're being ridiculous. And she's like, yeah, I know. But is his hand okay? Like... Mm. It's kind of well, and, and she doesn't even try to hide the fact that she wants to know in front of Burke either. Yeah. And I, in a weird, in a really weird, socially awkward, dysfunctional way, I feel like Burke is like, oh, she, she wants to know about me. <laughs> this you know? is her weird way of showing me love. <laughs> yeah. But Christina makes the mistake of wording her question like this. Did you ask Derek about Burke's hand? And Meredith only hears Derek. And she masterfully changes the conversation to him in a split second. She goes, I don't want to get in the middle of it. Derek and I are happy. Can we just keep it that way for a while? <laughs> She's like, I'm happy. Get over yourself. You're ruining my happiness. <laughs> but is she happy with Derek? I mean, should we should we open that Pandora's box? Should we talk about that right now? Or should we just save that for later? Let's save that for later. Let's get yeah. Let's get into the episode a little bit. And then we talk about it. Uh, and then we walk into the O'Malley's room, and I, this family brings me so much happiness. I okay, just, did this scene really, like, because I, 
maybe there's something like really cynical with me, but like I watched the scene and I was like, that's cute. I don't know. Like I, it didn't like bring me genuine joy as much as like scenes like other like kind of dark funny scenes bring me joy. I don't know. See, like, I get that. I just, I love their family as a whole. And, like, every time that they're on screen, I'm like, oh, yay, the O'Malley's. Like, yeah, I, just, I guess so. I love I it. Mean, I mean, I, I find. Love, I love the part where, like, George is, like, presenting his dad's case. And, like, everyone, like, looks at him at the end. And he goes, that's it. And then they all start, like, cheering. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. like, oh. <laughs> they're so funny. cute. They're, like, the opposite of surgeons. They're the opposite of literally everyone else in this hospital. <laughs> Which is kind of interesting because it it's very obvious to see why George is like the, you know, Bambi of the group when you see who his parents are. Mm-hmm. Like he was like the only one that wasn't raised by wolves. <laughs> so true. And you're like, wow, no wonder the others are so messed up. So then the chief and Bailey take a dump on the O'Malley's party and basically tell everyone to go home. So true. And that's the gist of that scene. And we're moving on um, to Burke's room. Christina awkwardly still trying to figure out. I just love how she says it so loudly. She's like, ask about the hand. And then Meredith's like, you ask. It's just one question. Be a friend. But I can't tell you how much I liked the choice that they don't even show Burke's surgery on camera. Yes, I agree. I I like how they don't make a big thing out of it because... Or actually, they don't make anything out of it. And it's because a lesser show, in my opinion, would have steered into that, like, inconsequential I, drama. I was about to say, we made, like, a huge drama out of, like, the surgery. Like, oh my gosh, Burke's crashing on the table. We must save him. And you're like, ugh. But what, what Grey's Anatomy is able to comprehend is that what's what actually is compelling about this storyline is Burke's emotion surrounding it. Not the actual, like, my hand has a tremor. Well, and the whole, like, power struggle between him and Christina. You know, you don't get that out of showing the surgery. You get that out of the aftermath and, you know. Yeah, and so, like, I'm really glad that they didn't make a big deal out of it or any deal out of it. That shows that it's it's an intelligent show. It's an emotionally like intelligent show. Yeah. I agree. Ugh. So then we meet this girl. I have so I have such mixed feelings when it comes to her. Because I feel so bad for her, but I also yes. kinda hate her. I feel like obviously like her life must suck. But it's just like <laughs> the unnecessary like stuff. Like I get in this scene, like she's kind of being like like on the doctors but like there's a scene where izzy literally is like oh can i help you and she just like takes a shit on izzy and you're like good god girl like yeah i know and calm down uh, anyway who we're talking about is heather and yes i did write she is a bitch with a capital c becca doesn't get that i'm sure somebody will get it out there becca i'll tell you later sweetie okay Um, (laughs) But honestly, I'm not trying to be cute when I say that. I just, like, I don't really care if you're in pain or how much your life sucks. It doesn't give you the right to just, like, like be a dickhead to everyone that you meet. Well, and especially, it doesn't give you the right to, talk, like, be, like, a jerk to doctors who are literally trying to help you. Like, they're like, yeah. we're doing this surgery to, like, help you. And she's like, fuck off. And you're like, good God. And you're like, fine, I guess I go fuck myself then. And you're like, okay, let me just poison you during surgery or something like 
I'll leave a towel in you. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll go whip myself a couple times just for trying <sighs> to help you. <sighs> anyway, okay. But here's the thing with Heather is, and I actually don't really know what the answer is to this. Is she supposed to represent or be a reflection of Izzy? Or is Heather here as like a plot device in Izzy's journey of like grieving for Denny? Because I, like I feel like that my first instinct is plot device, but you like interesting. But it's Grey's Anatomy, and so I'm like I feel like in some way she has to be like a reflection. Well, but in Grey's Anatomy, I feel like every patient that has a parallel with the doctors is either used as a reflection of that character so that mm-hmm. the audience can see the reflection or mm-hmm. that the character themselves can see the reflection. Yeah. Or they're used as a stepping stone in a greater story arc. And so most of the time it's pretty obvious for me to see it. But this time I'm a little bit unsure cuz I'm like there are some metaphors here that like you could argue one way or the other. And so that's like Maybe it's on purpose, or maybe it's just not clear enough, but I I like it. Mm-hmm. I feel like my first instinct is plot device, but that might... I don't know. It might change based on next episode. I think my first instinct is plot device, because that's the most, like... It's um, the easiest to see. Yeah, it's the easiest to see, and it's the easiest argument to make. Mm-hmm. But knowing what we know about Izzy in the near future, I don't know. I feel so like it could feels like be. It might change next episode or something. I don't know. Or like just if we're – say we're in the season three finale and we're looking back. I don't know. Hmm. Interesting, Interesting question. Interesting. We should definitely put that as like a thing to like think about nec- at least next episode because we get – a continuation of this storyline with Heather, and so it might be interesting to see if like anything changes, even just like next episode. Mm-hmm. And she just like continues to say some like really like shitty things, like "Oh, congratulations! You you memorized the whole acronym, which I assure you is a hell of a lot easier yeah. than living with it." And Izzy's like, "I didn't say it wasn't." Like, yeah. And then we get such a glorious scene that we have all been waiting for for so freaking long they finally fixed Callie's hair Callie's fucking hair (laughs) they finally freaking realized that Sarah Ramirez has the potential to actually be this amazing human if they just style her hair like a normal human being (laughs) I don't know if I'll go that far but Jesus Christ it's finally fixed. It finally looks normal. And you're like, thank you. This is all we wanted. Just this. It's not that hard. I don't understand why they made her look like like a Bellatrix <laughs> before. <laughs> I don't get it. She looked like a weird, like, like greasy version of Bellatrix. We all, we need to just pause a moment to thank the hair gods for giving us this miracle. Ugh, I'm so glad. And for, and for taking something away that we could complain about Callie so that we can focus on all of her other things to complain about. You know what's kind of funny <laughs> is that 
<laughs> I knew that like they were fixing her hair in this episode, and I was just like, oh yeah, and it like stopped bothering me so much, and it allowed me to see some of her undershirts because I. I'm not so focused on her hair that I started noticing other things about her. And I found something else to complain about. She's, she wears the weirdest fucking undershirts I've ever seen in my life. They're like, you ever seen those like arm sleeve, ta- like those sleeve tattoos that are supposed to yeah. be cool when you're like 10 yeah. and you can buy them and like pull them up and you'd be like, yeah, I got like a full sleeve of tattoos. That's what they look like. I'm like, why would you wear that to a hospital? Is that better or worse? than Addison's shirt later in this episode. It's worse. <laughs> Come on. Okay, because Addison's shirt later is pretty damn bad. Addison's shirt later kind of looks like a vagina. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? <laughs> Just wait, guys. That's coming. <laughs> oh, yeah. So then this line, this comes up. And they're like, oh, we're going to remove your kidney stones. and But Izzy says this line, but it will really improve your quality of life. And then Heather, really? So this surgery is going to get me laid? Maybe if you weren't so bitter and annoying, you could get laid. God damn it, Heather. Yeah, like, believe it or not, the ugliest thing about you is not your spine. It's your personality. <laughs> and quite possibly, your goddamn hair. <laughs> they took the horrible hair from Callie to Heather. Honestly, we need I think s- Heather's hair is quite possibly the worst hair I've ever seen on a patient. <laughs> okay, so this is the first scene where like I can just tell that they were like this episode is too short. We need to lengthen the hell out of this <laughs> this episode. Cuz we're in the NICU with uh all the interns and Bailey and Thatcher walks in while Meredith is presenting uh Laura Laura's case. And he's just this mumbling, bumbling idiot. And Meredith is so hashtag shook with all caps that this show lingers on this moment for 30 seconds before going into commercial. And they just keep zooming in and in and in. And I was just like, wow, you guys really had a bunch of extra time. I love how I feel like the entire purpose of this episode was to make Thatcher just look like a mumbling idiot like every scene he's in he's just like he's just like i'm like oh and then meredith like never says anything she just stares at him with like dead eyes (laughs) you ever notice that she's like despondent you're like meredith that's creepy stop derek's creepiness is rubbing off on you yeah Mm. So then after that, we cut into the hallway and Bailey is like giving out assignments and um, she assigns Meredith to George's father. And I like as a viewer, I feel like you have to kind of know that this episode is like George's father's been around for a while. It's a two part episode. Like you should kind of know what's going on. And and you get I more just, hints of that later. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm just, like, wondering if the show itself saved Meredith being on the case for a particular reason. Like, is Meredith, like, the hammer, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, is she the closer? I think so. Well, and I think it's also supposed to be, like, it's this person that, like, George has this, like, weird relationship with. And now she's going to be, like, working on his father, 
Plus, I think it, I think it also back to kind of like what I was saying in the beginning. It's like the father parallels is like true. You're putting Meredith, who's like actively avoiding her father all episode, with this like pretty awesome father figure in like Mr. O'Malley. Mm-hmm. You know, which is kind of a joke, but it's also like different because we don't really have any like big scenes between the two of them. But George's George's relationship with Meredith is so interesting because I feel like he respects Meredith the most, even though they've had so many issues in the past. Even I though feel she like, basically destroyed him. Yeah, she like destroyed him sexually, <laughs> she, but she like ate him and then like spit him out. Yeah, but like in a weird way, I feel like he really respects the hell out of her. So George then says a really pivotal scene or line that we have to talk about where he's just like, you know how sometimes with families we sugarcoat things. It would help me if you were straight with me as things progress. And Bailey says, okay. And so whatever. Before we like cut to a new scene, the scene just kind of continues and it's Izzy and Bailey. And they're talking about Izzy not being ready to scrub in on surgeries yet. And I have a couple notes about this. One, Izzy mentions a psychiatrist that we've never met. And as much as I want to know everything about these characters and want to, like, literally follow them through their lives, Mm -hmm. I'm really glad that we never met them. Because it continues the world building of the hospital for me. And, like, for far too long, I feel like the hospital has been getting smaller when it really should be getting bigger. Mm-hmm. Like like the other interns have just all but disappeared. We've we haven't seen Twisted Mister or like um Tyler or Nurse Debbie in like forever. We haven't seen Patricia in forever. The it's like it's like the hospital's getting smaller and smaller and I hate that because it's not realistic. Mhm. It's interesting. I also I kind of just want to meet this guy to just like see his face as he's like listening to izzy explain this story we get like a glimpse of this later of this of like her explaining this to like this person who just has no idea what she's talking about and is just like (laughs) what the hell and i feel like just her being like and he'd be like wait so then you did what and she's like i cut his lzad wire but it was to do this and this and now i have 8.7 million dollars that's just on my fridge and he's just like what the hell and she's like, he's like, I do things wrong and then I get rewarded. She's like, and then like telling like stories, like she's probably like told them about like, and then my roommate Meredith, who like sleeps with everyone and is like crazy and like has all these issues. Like he's probably listening and like her learning about all these people. And he's like, what the hell is this hospital? I would assume that a psychiatrist, see, and you know, what's funny is that I always assumed that the hospital was paying for this psychiatrist. So she was going in the hospital. And the fact that you just said that, I always, I realized that was just an assumption. She could just be going somewhere outside of work, but I always assumed that it was inside the building. So this guy probably knows so much. He is the guy, he's like the gossip tree with all his roots just going off into the hospital can you just like imagine like her explaining some of the things that have happened in like the past couple episodes like between like the crap with meredith like oh yeah then my friend christina was like helping her boyfriend hide his tremor in the hospital (laughs) and like now we hate her (laughs) my thing is like would she have to explain all this or would this guy already know about it i don't know but even just like some of like the home stuff like that's true (laughs) 
Meredith. He's just like, are you guys going to have another party again? <laughs> Can I come? <laughs> Can you imagine if Izzy's psychiatrist showed up to another party that she threw? Oh my god. I- Loki, make one change for the entire rest of Grey's Anatomy as a whole. They should have another party. And you know what? They and tried they to, like in the later seasons, but it's just not the same if it Izzy fails. is not the instigator. Baby, you made it! <laughs> <laughs> Love it. anyway um another note on this scene though is that um i really think that shows nowadays like i've noticed try to move their plots too quickly and because they do that they don't get they don't hold the same weight as when we have waited and like anticipated and desired something for so long now there's a flip side to that where things move too slowly Mm -hmm. but i think that Shonda tried to play the long game here in season three of Grey's Anatomy. And honestly, season three was not received super well by the critics. And by, well, it was received better by the critics, not well by the fans. And I just, I think that that's the crux of my issue with television is that I tend to care way more about the long game and the overarching story arcs and the subtleties than the obvious in your face stuff. And maybe that just makes me unique. I don't know. I think it's also one more realistic because I mean, we've seen Izzy for episode and episode. She's clearly not over the whole Danny thing, which I mean, I, I mean like clearly Honestly, I don't think she ever will be. Well, yeah, but like and I but like I don't think she's still like in a good place. But I think it also, you know, we know at some point Izzy is going to be able to scrub in on a surgery again and going to do that. And I feel like waiting for all of this and going through all of these different things is going to make that moment so much more enjoyable as mm-hmm. for like the audience. And like, you're like, wow, she finally made it. I don't know. I don't think it's like awkwardly like pushing it out too long because it's like it's clearly like she hasn't dealt with this check yet which you're like clearly that's an issue like there's something in that area she does something next episode which bailey then is like you're not ready and so like i don't know it's not just like something where like every episode they're like no you're not ready and then like they just keep like moving on you know like and it's like no she's clearly ready like you're just trying to like prolong this like i feel like they are prolonging it but they're making it like realistic mm -hmm. well and actually like backing it up with like you're yeah. going to deal with this issue in this episode. And then, or like, this thing. It's not just, like, every episode they're like, Izzy's not ready. And then, like, move on and, like, are talking about something else. I'd also debate that she's not the main character either. Like, if yeah. it was Meredith, we'd probably get her back a little bit quicker. But she's the supporting cast. And as much as we kiss the the ground that Katherine ha- Heigl walks on, she's still the supporting cast. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I kind of like how she doesn't take the the spotlight because she shouldn't. You know what I mean? She's the supporting cast. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just something I wanted to add. As you guys know, I have created a timeline of Grey's Anatomy based on different dialogue and different clues and all the information that you can get from the show itself and then just put it on a calendar from 2006. And I projected the season two finale to be around May 12th. And I projected this episode, 311, to be around 
June 12th, 13th. And of course, it's six days, so it's a whole week. But that's like a month. Yeah. And that's based on other things that I I know about the later in season three that are true. And I had to sparse out the episodes based on that. And so it's been like a month, guys. Like, it hasn't been a super long time since she did this. And so I know a lot happens in this show, but when you actually sit down and write out a timeline, it hasn't been that long. Mm-hmm. Not that we spent 20 minutes on that. <laughs> yeah, so now we cut over to Meredith and Christina, who are waiting for lab results. Love it. And then we get this lab, this guy. Um, he he was on Pretty Little Liars. He's been in other episodes. Christina goes, I need these back ASAP. And then, ever, and then he goes, everyone needs everything ASAP. Oh, yes. And all throughout this hospital, people are dying while you are here <laughs> giving me crap about ASAP. Oh, I love Christina. And then she like, and, continues on and like asks Meredith if she's okay. And she goes, your father, freezing up in rounds. God, that was mortifying. And you're like, thank you, Christina. And I love how Christina or how Meredith goes, thank you, thanks. And then Christina goes, oh, it wasn't mortifying? <laughs> and then she goes, I just wish the baby would get well and go home and Thatcher would go with her. Is that wrong? And Christina goes, wrong would be if you wish the baby didn't get well. In a way, that's true, though. Yeah. But I love, I love this relationship and like this conversation because I feel like this is something we would talk about. Just like, no, <laughs> wrong would be if you wish the baby would die. <laughs> You're like, no shit, Christina. Thank you. <laughs> and I do love how this scene ends because I don't know what Ellen is putting down, but I'm picking it up, baby. I love whatever she's thrown out in this scene like this pure despondent self-hatred is mm, peak meredith she christina goes you know if you wanted to thank me you could ask derek if burke has had any tremors and meredith just goes talk to him no because then he wins wins what and i can't even like i can't even touch that line because i know it's gonna sound weird but that is easily one of my favorite things about this entire episode is just the way she d- delivered that line. But then it, they kind of like go on and, and like, <laughs> do you have a father? Of course, Meredith, everyone has a father. God. Well, that's the point. Meredith, that's the you're point a of that line. I know. I'm making a joke, Emily. Just laugh. I, well, no, but it's it like, it's not funny. <laughs> I'm hilarious. Don't be mean to me. It's just, like, the point of that line is to say, like, everyone has a father, but not everyone has a dad. Mm-hmm. Well, and Which I is, think like... It, and it's setting up some stuff for later, I think, because Christina goes, I have a stepfather. He's nice. I see him for Yom Kippur. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because <laughs> that question... That question hit a nerve for Christina, and we only know it because we've seen next episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now we get some Mark and Addison. Ugh some madison if you will and basically the like thing of this is like he he just says some really cryptic things like this whole first episode is just like really cryptic shit where he's just like in case you haven't forgotten you don't get the high horse this week not this week and then alex is like he's an ass which is true and um pot meat kettle alex but then (laughs) addison goes not this week Mm -hmm. and she says it really like kind of sadly Mm -hmm. you know and so 
Ugh. I I mean, I know that we're making fun of it, but I really like how they're being a little mysterious about it. Mm-hmm. Because and no one in their right mind would just come out and be like, oh, it's because I did like... Well, I mean, it's being a little dramatic, but I kind of like this this amount of drama. Like, a, a, more would be too much. Less would be not enough, but this is this is good. And we've been alluding to things that happened in this a- episode between Mark and Addison for so many episodes now and Addison and Alex for so many episodes, and I am so ready to talk mm-hmm. about it. I like this little, like, kind of love triangle, like, weirdness that has happened between the three of them. Mm-hmm. Like, it, uh. Would you say that they're using Addison in a satisfactory way this season? I like what they're doing with her character. Just for argument's sake, tell me what they're doing with her character. Like, in your own words. I just like, because clearly Addison was brought in as this kind of like like nail in the side of like the Meredith and Derek thing. And I like how, you know, that thing kind of finally like concluded, you know, like they got a divorce and like that ended. And I feel like so many shows would have just been like, all right, bye, like, you know, and kicked Addison off. And I kind of liked how Grey's stuck with it and like kept her in. Cause one, I mean, we get, we've gotten a lot of the interesting kind of complexities between the meredith addison relationship like we got some of that last episode and earlier in season three and now we get a little bit more into kind of like the addison mark relationship we get interesting things with alex for so many episodes we've said that alex still isn't in the like intern otp you know they make a point of showing that with him not having a locker near theirs and everything and so i almost like that he's kind of found a place with, like, other people and, like, has his almost, like, subgroup kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I kind of like that. Do you almost feel like Addison feels cast away by Derek and cast away from, like, she feels isolated from New York, but also, like, she doesn't belong in Seattle yet? Yeah. Like, she kind of feels, like, cast away by people. And then Alex also feels cast away from intern OTP, and so, like, in a weird way, they found each other. hmm And then Mark's in, like, this weird thing where he's kind of, like, parts of, like, both of them, but then, like, he's also kind of cast away, but, like, mm-hmm. I don't think they also want him either, And but he's just kind of, like, there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I just, Mark, as a character, is so entertaining to me because I feel like he's just that character that, like, every single person in the show is, like, God, can he just go away? And he just, like, comes back and he's like, I'm still here, guys. (laughs) I feel like he's the character that the audience likes because... Everyone hates him. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just so, like, fun. Like, just some of the lines he says, it's just like, you're like, oh, God, I love Mark. Mm -hmm. He's so weird. You ready to move on? Yeah, we can move on. So now we have a Callie and Bailey scene. Which and is actually very, I don't know, I like it. It's, yeah, it's I didn't hate it. And Callie is like, you know Shepard well, right? And this is the show just taking a victory lap at this point. This line is just the writers having so much fun. Because Bailey goes, lots of hair, too many women, likes elevators and long walks on the beach. 
Like, Bailey, come on this podcast. The only thing she missed was ferry boats. And, oh, my God. I just, I love, uh, likes elevators. Bailey knows. (laughs) Like, do you think Bailey has, like, walked in on Derek smelling Meredith in an elevator before? And she's just like, God damn it. She's like, who the hell is this neurosurgeon? (laughs) Yeah. God. You smell like lavender. And Bailey's like. (laughs) Bailey's like, I'm going to take the stairs. She's like, I'm so fit now because I only take the stairs to avoid the elevator with Derek. Just to avoid Derek. And then Bailey goes, Shepard thinks she's busier and more important than anyone else. It's so true. And he doesn't do anything. Just, what's going on? The only thing, the only reason he's busy is because he's busy, like, busting into everyone else's scenes. He's like, so what you doing on your patient over here? Like, But I find it interesting how in 102, they almost use like that exam that same exact wording to portray burke Hmm. and now they're doing it with derek it's interesting i forgot that but yeah interesting and then bailey goes so he'll say no until you stare him down (laughs) bailey knows she's like shepherd's weak (laughs) if you just stare at him for more than like two seconds he'll crack he'll be like okay i'll do it okay but let me (laughs) throw this at you let me throw this out this scene, except Addison goes to Meredith for advice. <laughs> Meredith's like, I got it. Meredith's like, I'll break your spine. How dare you say that Derek isn't precious? Because this is the most glorious no, fucking she, love story Callie, in all Callie of would the go world. up and be like, you know Shepard well, right? And then Meredith would launch into this like massive thing of like, oh yeah, Derek. Derek and I are so happy. <laughs> like just launching and Callie would be like, ugh. Forget I asked. Also, 100%, what would have made this scene even better is if Bailey was like, oh, and when you do stare him down, make sure he's on that bridge outside of the chief's office. He's weakest there. That's his weakest point. <laughs> you know goddamn well Bailey was like, Callie, approach him here. <laughs> do it. Oh, my God. That would have been glorious if they had mentioned that bridge at all. I would have like because, spoiler, signed this, away. The confrontation does happen on that bridge. And- it does, and it's perfect. Okay, so now we get this scene that seems kind of inconsequential, but I know Ugh. that it's Grey's Anatomy like working beneath the surface because oh, we go yeah. back to Heather's room, and the first thing she says is to Izzy, "You're way too hot to be a doctor," and I'm like, "Yes, Grey's Anatomy." Can I just say first before you launch into this whole thing, who who says that to anyone? You're too yeah. hot to be a doctor. God damn it, Heather. She gets yeah, worse in this scene, but you can go off on your Izzy thing now. Well, my Izzy thing is that <laughs> they've just been doing it since season one. They've been showing that Izzy has always, for her entire life, been seen as the hot blonde model, except for Denny. Mm-hmm. And even in season three, they Denny's father. Yeah. The, one of the first things he says is, uh, you're a pretty girl. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mark calls her like, oh, I thought you'd be fun to look at, you know? Yeah, last episode, They're, yeah. Yeah, last episode. They're all objectifying her and not being able or maybe just not wanting to see past all that and actually see her. Mm-hmm. And because this is Grey's Anatomy, we all know that Izzy is eventually going to pursue another romantic relationship. I mean, she's it, it's a TV show. It's going to yeah. happen. And when she does, I mean, the show is making it pretty damn clear that she's not going to accept 
the standard of men that she has been in the past. Oh my god. Flashback. What was her boyfriend's name? The party? Hank. Hank. Oh my god. <laughs> Hank the tank. She's not gonna accept that. She's gonna demand more. She's gonna demand respect. And someone that actually sees her for her. Better luck next time, Hank. I just... Ugh, good job, Grey's Anatomy. And then Izzy's like, okay. And I was just like, yeah, you know what? Izzy's just like, why the hell did you say that to me? Like, who talks yeah. to anyone that way? Who said... Yeah, who does that? And then Heather. I mean, aren't people like you supposed to be dumb? I'm just saying, you're not going to be in my surgery, are you? Because I'm a little too young to die. Just wait, Heather, before I stab you with a scalpel. Okay, first of all, fuck you. Second of all, Izzy goddamn Stevens is like the perfect human specimen. How dare you, Heather? And just wait, the de- line Izzy delivers in a second. Because like, Izzy's like, oh, I won't be in your surgery. See, I knew it, you're not even a doctor. And then Izzy, I am a doctor. It's just that when my fiancé dropped dead not too long ago, I went a little nuts, so no surgeries for me for a while. <laughs> and then, yeah. And the I was way like, Catherine Heigl like, delivers that, it's just like, why don't you shut the fuck up before I kill you? It's just like, here's a thought, Heather. Why don't you write down all your little sad feelings that you have for me, write them all down on a piece of paper, and then watch as I shove them up your ass. (laughs) And watch as I light it on fire. I said, well, so much for my theory that life doesn't suck for pretty people. Like, shut up, Heather. Cut it. As somebody who has one of the dumbest theories about this show, this is the dumbest theory I've ever heard. (laughs) And also, like, people like you. She means blonde people, which, spoiler alert, Becca and I are both blonde, and I take (laughs) offense to that. And Katherine Heigl's not even a natural blonde, so. So much for my theory that uh, that life doesn't suck for pretty people. Well, I have a PhD in theories, and that's the worst one I've ever heard. (laughs) I don't. I have a PhD in theories. (laughs) I tried. I have a PhD in theories. (laughs) Here's a theory for you. Yours sucks. (laughs) Let me teach you a little lesson. And then she goes, I'm sorry I was such a bitch to you. And apology not accepted. (laughs) At all. But Izzy, like, yet again, I'm amazed by Izzy's capacity for compassion and kindness and forgiveness. Because she goes, well, you're in pain. Sometimes I'm a bitch for no reason at all. Which is so true. And that's my favorite quality about you. (laughs) That's seriously, like, one of my favorite things about Izzy is just when she goes full, like, jealous bitch mode for no reason. I'm like, yes. I also love, was it last episode or one episode when she, like, says something and she goes, "Mm, sorry, that was a little bitchy. Or, like, she, like. Yeah, no, that was in 309. Okay, two episodes ago. (laughs) When she, like, knows it right after the fact, she's like, ooh, yeah. (laughs) She's, oh, I love her. But anyway, great scene. And now the scene that we've all been waiting for, the Bridge of Man Pain has returned. And I want you all um, to take note of the scenery that's outside, the like the glass windows, because that scenery changes massively over the show. It's just different, like at different points in the show. And it's so obviously a green screen. Later, I'm like, oh, wow, look at that green screen. And I just love how they don't care for continuity later. Like... I, in season five, there'll be a mountain out there. And I'm like, where did that mountain come from? <laughs> Look, we flew in this mountain. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, aren't you in the middle of the city? Anyway, whatever. I know that we make all kinds of jokes about the Bridge of Man pain. And at this point, I mean, 
it it's not a coincidence which scenes they have on this bridge and which scenes they don't. I just can't, I don't believe that. I would say 80% of the scenes on this bridge are Derek scenes, especially when Involved he's in like Derek. emotional turmoil and like 15% of the other scenes are men from this hospital. <laughs> it's so true. And I like your question here because that brings up a good point. Is this the first scene between Derek and Callie? Since she walked in on him in Meredith in season two. I can't. And like, I, I know they've been in other scenes together, but, but I, I think this might alone. be the first one on one. Yeah, that was my like thing. Cause I was like, they've definitely like been in like the same like area together, but not like one on one. Well, I remember when Derek and George come home from quarantine? Yeah. See, like, they've like been like together, but not like one on one. Yeah. And just look at Callie's undershirt. Anywho. It's like Paisley-ish. Yeah. And Derek goes, my day is impossible. <laughs> <laughs> and the way she stares at him is like, like, Bailey has an intense stare. And like, I like how it's almost like a joke that like, Callie is like trying to like, and t- like, imitate Bailey and just like, mm. no one can imitate like, Bailey's just like, fierce like, mm. stare. But I also just love that Derek, like, cannot handle it. He's like, Ugh, I'll come for he, a like, consult. He, like, cracks under the pressure. He's like, I'll come for a consult in the morning. First of all, this is what I want this show to do with Sarah Ramirez. This works. I enjoy these scenes. 100% no judgment. I actually enjoy these scenes. This works. Please give her more comedy. In addition to that, the way that she's staring at him, it it looks like she's gonna, like, lick all the skin off of him. That's disturbing. But would you agree that this, like, actually wholeheartedly works? I, I liked it. And she has another scene later where she's, like, staring at George. And I kind of liked that scene, too. And yeah. we'll talk about it more when we get there. Who'd have thunk? She's good at comedy. That's what I've been telling you guys. Anyway, um, and now we get, like, a huge scene and... and like for this episode and this was kind of the scene where you know earlier Emily talked about how you know they put Meredith on the case and you're kind of getting that feeling that like something's gonna happen to Mr. Mm -hmm. O'Malley and this is the scene that I feel like pretty much confirmed it to me what that was like like why would you have this scene unless something bad's gonna happen yeah well and like the whole thing basically like this scene is him telling um the chief and Bailey like no matter what they see when they open him up to, like, get the tumor out. And so, like, as soon as that happens, one, you're, like, automatically, like, yep, the tumor spread, it's going to be a lot, and they're going to, like, keep, like, number one, it's going to happen, you know? Yeah, yeah. And two, the big thing is, too, like, he's, like, they made, like, a point at the end of the scene, like, the chief goes, if you're asking if I can tell his son, the answer is no. And so, like, point number two, it's going to come up that, like, George is going to be, like, my dad asked for like that's gonna come up again that like something's mm. gonna happen and George is gonna be mad that they like continue the surgery and then it's gonna be like no your dad asked for this like it it's gonna happen guys mm. this scene wouldn't be here unless something's gonna happen yes and I know that like to the two of us that seems so obvious because I didn't even need this scene to pick up on the fact that something bad was gonna happen to George's dad well yeah like but amazingly to some people like it's a shock and i'm like how are you watching the same show as i am i don't know 
You asked,、uh, why do you think they only had this to be the chief and Bailey and not have Meredith be there? And I think for two reasons. One, Bailey and the chief are basically like the mom and dad of the hospital. They're the、mm-hmm. authority fig- They're like the most, like the biggest authority figures in the hospital. So that's why, because it adds weight to the situation to have mom and dad be the ones, you know? Yeah. That are dealing with it. And also because. So later, in, when they're in surgery, Meredith can kind of act as the audience proxy to like, ask the questions that the audience wants to know. Be like, So, are we closing him up? No, we're not. Why? Oh, you know, like it's like、mm-hmm. Meredith is us. She's like, Because we don't know what the hell's going on. So, like, she's able to ask the questions that、and、the、I、audience kind of is liked, wondering. Because I honestly kind of forgot that that scene, like, in the like, OR, like, happened later with Meredith asking when I, like, Typed up this question. And so I kind of like, you get this distinct, like, Meredith understanding.、Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. Of all this thing. And it's super interesting. And I think it's much more effective when she's, like, in the moment in the OR, like, hearing this information from Bailey and the chief than, like, if she had been in on this scene. Meredith I, has this really. I also kind of wonder if she had known about it beforehand. Do you think she would have told George? No. I don't think she would. See, I could have seen it either way, but I feel like, I don't know, like her being told in the moment, it almost reminds me a lot of like two episodes ago like, when Christina didn't tell her the Burke thing in the morning, but that Meredith found out like in the moment when they're like switching ORs.、Mm-hmm. It kind of like, obviously not as like intense as that moment, but it kind of reminds me of that like something. Like, information you learned is like so much, like, it's more powerful, like, depending on when you find it out. And so it's kind of interesting.、Mm-hmm. It, like, kind of gave me some of those vibes. Yeah. Like, it wouldn't have been as a compelling of a moment had she already known going into the OR. And when it really comes down to it, this show is about drama. So it makes sense to me. But also, I think Meredith, I know, we've been saying it since, you know, 101, but Meredith has this crazy amount of emotional maturity in a lot of ways. Where, like, she is clearly the leader of the interns、mm-hmm. in like grown upness in a way, which is amazing to say based on what we know about Meredith.、Mm-hmm. But, like, when it really matters, she is like so goddamn mature, and I'm proud of her.、Mm-hmm. She's my baby. I'm proud of her. Anyway, so that was all day one. Day two、Which、begins. Yeah,、uh, exactly. same angle. Derek looks a lot less happy. Like, it's not as like, a cute, like, oh, he's watching her sleep. It looks like he's like, contemplating putting a pillow over her head, like <laughs> smothering her. Derek looks haggard. That's what、right、his、now. face looks like. He's like, do you think I could smother her? He's just like, but then I don't get sex. Also, I go to prison. Yeah. The way Derek、Meredith、would be obliterated、up. in prison. Meredith like, looks up at him like, ugh. <laughs> You're watching me sleep again? You're cute. Why are you always up before the alarm? I'm a light sleeper. Okay. And then she goes, So something woke you up. Like, so cute. And he goes, It's not a big deal. It's just that you snore a little. What? I do not. Yes, you do. I love it. I find it charming that such a big noise can come <laughs> to such a tiny person. You know what's not charming? Your morning breath. 
I love it. I'm just saying, seeing as you're always up before me, you might consider brushing your teeth. <laughs> so funny. It's scenes like this that make me love them. And it's not so much the dialogue, but like the facial expressions and like what Ellen and Patrick are doing. Like that little moment that you like made a little like gif of, of like him getting out of bed and like laughing and she kind of like hits him and then like crosses her arms like that is what makes me love them and like that's what's like I don't know like they're very good actors and like that sense of like doing things that like it's not necessarily through the dialogue but it's like Mm -hmm. the body language and all that stuff well I mean and we knew that we knew that a long time ago remember in season two when they weren't allowed to touch each other but they were just like staring across rooms at each other and like the whole hospital caught on fire oh yeah like you felt your blood boil just watching at home Mm -hmm. I mean when they're allowed to be in the same bed together it's just gonna be multiplied tenfold and it is I mean like it almost seems like Ellen and Patrick are a couple and we're just watching them yeah like it's crazy how much chemistry these two have insane but I also like appreciate this storyline a lot because it's actually harder to write simple storylines like this than to write big dramatic over-the-top storylines Mm-hmm. This is harder from a TV writer standpoint to come up with something like this because it's simultaneously innocent and pure while also being like so intimate and so meaningful. Like, I don't know. It's like this is what we've been waiting for since Derek talked about like the, you know, in 217 when he was just like, and you kiss me. It was quick, you know, kind of like a habit. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, like, them living out that fantasy that he was replaying in his head. And mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, fantasies are never as good as the real thing. But Ellen and Patrick pretty much nail it. <laughs> yeah, they're great. So then we go downstairs to Izzy and George. Izzy's hair is amazing. Am I the only one that thinks that? I'm definitely getting, like, bedhead vibes, but it's, like, cute bedhead vibes. I saw this hair, and I paused it. I was like, whoa, what ha- What did they do to Izzy's, like, what did they do to Katherine Heigl's hair? I was like, whatever you're doing, it's incredible. They're also eating know. crispy rice. Yeah, they also have a cereal called crispy rice, and you know that they're buying all the, like, generic crappy cereals except muesli just to get on Derek's nerves it clearly is supposed to be rice krispies but it's fine whatever it's crispy rice (laughs) whatever I like I love this when like Izzy's like yeah I have a really good feeling about like his dad's surgery and I didn't even bake anything for you and George just goes thank you and I was like so "Ah." cute they're so cute I love their friendship and then they like zoom in on this check which is disgusting. This check is dank. Like, what the hell have they been doing to this check? It looks like they covered their fingerprints in, like, like spicy marinara sauce and <laughs> then just, like, touched, touched it. it. And then, like, folded it up in different directions and crumbled it up. It's gross. Like, this check has been through some stuff. I would be afraid to touch that thing. I might contract some sort of disease from it. (laughs) This check is clearly, like, the cause of, like, coronavirus. (laughs) This check has coronavirus. When anyone asks what started this pandemic, it was this check, guys. In 2006. Well, I know it's seven, but 
It's six, according to my expert timeline. Nobody likes you. In June of 2006. (laughs) So then we get this short scene where we... (sighs) I love this line. I I watched this line three times. I kept going back. Mark Mark goes... Mark is taking a coffee from Alex, and he goes, at least something's dry around here. Does it ever stop raining in this hellhole? And then Alex goes, not really. (laughs) It was so funny the way he, like... The way he delivered that with, like, a smarmy smile, I was like, yes. I also, like, to be honest, I know that they're trying to make this whole storyline of, like, Mark is especially an ass this week. Like, but, like, not I didn't even notice a difference. This week? Yeah, there Was there any difference? Because I didn't I notice. I didn't notice. <laughs> I, I, I actually didn't notice a difference until you wrote that, and I was like, oh. Like, they didn't do a very good job. Because, like, they're, that. like, making a point of, like, every time, like that he's in a scene is like to be like like someone is like Ugh, he's an ass and i'm like but is like he's acting exactly the same guys it's has, so true has anything changed not really except not it's really. just apparently a special week yeah and okay, then addison and comes up yeah now this is the scene we need to just pause for a minute first of all we haven't talked about them in quite some time and that just feels wrong kate walsh's eyebrows are demanding <laughs> attention in this scene her eyebrows are like tiny little hairy acrobats. Also, I think Becca and I, I think I can speak for Becca when mm-hmm. I say that Addison Forbes Montgomery is the rightful owner of the world and our wigs, but this shirt is an abomination. Our wigs? I don't have a wig. It needs, it's a saying. I know. It needs to be killed with fire. It's just like, first off, there's this weird, like, scarf thing. But it's attached to the shirt. Yeah, it's that's like, attached. To, that's not a scarf. It's, it's like part of the shirt. Exactly. It's like a scarf thing. But then you're like, no, but that's the shirt, and it's like, but why? It's so ugly. And you're it's like, so ugly. <laughs> and we'll get a better shot of it later. And it's atrocious. It shouldn't be sold. Ugh. Anyway, yeah, Karev. Alex gives Mark the wrong coffee. And Mark is like, you're the worst, and like storms off. And then Addison's like, I have a great surgery today. And Alex joins. Yay. I really wish that like Mark just like chucked the coffee or something across <laughs> the room. Be like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, here's a kind of a psychotic question. Have you ever wanted to like when you're getting coffee for somebody? <laughs> have you ever wanted to like get the wrong thing just so they're like, oh, I don't like this just so you can have it? You're a psycho. I honestly, when you started that question, I thought you were going to go to the thing of like, have you ever just gone into a coffee shop and seen someone holding a cup of coffee and wanted to just slam it out of your hands? Because like, I, that happens to me all the time. That's what Emily wants to do. Yeah. Becca knows this about me. It's one of the quirkiest parts of my personality. And that's why I was laughing so much because I thought that's where it was going. And then I was like, wait, this is a new thing I haven't heard before. What is this? Maybe we should start like a Twitter poll. Like, like, honestly, it's a prop. It's become a problem for me. Because I'll walk into, like, a Starbucks or a Dunkin' Donuts, and there'll just be a ton of people, like, holding coffees in their hand. And I just have the weirdest compulsive urge to just smack it out of there. She's, like, fake done it to me a couple times. And I'm, I, I feel like every time I'm, like, holding something, it. you, like, come up and, like, pretend to, like, smack it out of my hand. I, maybe you've it's never, just me. You've never actually done it, though. Thank you. I kind of want to, though. <laughs> Moving on. So, <laughs> Olivia and Burke's room. It's Olivia, guys. Yay! 
And I'm also not going to lie, the way that this show uses Olivia in season three is hilarious. <laughs> they bring her back for the most inconsequential reasons they can, like, find. It's so true. Because they could have just, like, gotten anyone to deliver this line. But they had to bring back this actor and paid her for no reason. Like, no particular reason. Mm-hmm. Also, her hair looks great in this shot, just in case anyone was wondering. It does. She does kind of... See, I have this screenshot of her smiling, and she's, she just looks a little bit skeezy. She always has. She's a little slimy. <laughs> anyway, so she tries to get information from Burke about his hand. And clearly, Burke sees through her. Clearly through... Well, first off, she does a horrible job of, like, trying to... She's like, and your hand. How is your hand? And you're like, God, Olivia. And even Burke picks up on the fact that she's speaking like a robot, yeah. which is well, his thing. Well, and Christina is, like, standing in his doorway. So, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, I think Christina could have gotten away with this if she stood, like, further away from this. Yeah, he's, like... She's, like, right there. Also, I really wanted Burke, like, when he's just, like... You're going to have to tell Dr. Yang, I'm not ready to give her that information. And then just be like, enjoy your syphilis, Olivia. <laughs> Can you imagine if, like, Izzy popped up from, like, under the bed? She's no. like, I've been there the whole time. I just wanted Burke to deliver that. Enjoy your syphilis. <laughs> enjoy your syphilis, bitch. <laughs> I also just love, like, Olivia just, like, exits. And then, like, George comes in and Christina's like, ask him. And George is just like whatever and just like comes in and like closes the door and is like get out of my face yeah just like tiny little comedic moments like that are really good all right so now we're back in heather's room and basically <sighs> like derek and callie are you know saying like this this is an option for you whatever it costs a lot of money but the only part that i actually want to talk about is the line where she goes mom i know you still think death is the worst thing that can happen to a person death is not the worst thing and that really struck a chord for me because it's just something about izzy stevens patient saying that line seems very intentional mm-hmm. it's honestly the only good thing that heather says slash does all episode Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only good part about her character is that line. <laughs> and Izzy tries to get Bailey to let her scrub in, and Izzy kind of says this line, which, like, seems really inconsequential until next episode, but she goes, I've gotten to know her. I'd really like to scrub in. And, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, that was, like, probably the most important part of that line. Oh, yeah. And But she hasn't deposited the check yet. <laughs> it's my money, and I need it now. And I need it now. Uh, yeah. So Bailey says this, though. In the time we've been standing here, you would have made $400. That's insane. That's a lot of freaking money. That is. And, like, I get, like, Izzy at, at, later in this episode says, like, she wants to do something good with this money. And I'm like, great. Put it in a bank. Like, the amount of money, like, she could have made so much more money, like, with, like, interest and stuff that, like, that's just more good things you can do with this money. But anyway. Yeah. Well, she got the check in 304, which was about a week after Denny died. Yeah, so she's had it for, like, almost a month. Yeah. At this point. And you're like, is he? Like, I get yeah. why she doesn't do it, and well, you can talk about that more later, but it's also like, goddamn. Yeah, but, as Bailey says, it's not reasonable. Because if the if if her true problem is she doesn't she wants to do something good with it, 
then she would deposit it so that way 8.7 could become 9.7 mm-hmm. and then she could do something even better with it you know what i mean well and if you like deposit it and it's in the bank then it's ready for something like if you know like something comes up and you're like along. you yeah. know like it's just sitting on your counter like it's not doing any good except getting like disgusting and probably spreading diseases yeah all through so, their house the song Passion Play by William Fitzsimmons starts playing, and we have George and his dad playing cards. And mm. this is, like, the first time that we actually have George and his dad just, like, sitting and having a scene together. And it's so necessary, Ugh. and I almost, like, can't believe that it took this long to get here. I love this scene. Yeah, it's such a good scene. Because, honestly, meeting characters' parents is so illuminating to why the character becomes the person that they are so like just seeing george's dad in scenes like this like makes it very clear of like how george became who he is today well and i think it's also i don't think it's any it's not a coincidence that scenes like this also happen in the same episode where you have like meredith and thatcher being like super awkward and trying to avoid each other and like do you have that and like the stark contrast between like yeah. fathers oh yeah it's there on purpose so maybe they were it's waiting no for that yeah also but, just uh, why is george's shirt so ugly like it doesn't have to be but it is you know <laughs> why is george's wardrobe so ugly i feel like every episode we're like george why are you wearing this and it's like someone needs he to does actually get a little bit more like better clothes at the end of season three i will say that so then Mr. O'Malley kind of goes into this story of George's childhood and how he accidentally ran over his, he dog. Ran over his dog. And he says, you were so sensitive. You're such a soft kid. I couldn't bear to tell you. And George goes, I wasn't soft. Because again, George's main thing is that like everyone sees him as less masculine than he is. But then George's dad is like, no, being soft isn't a bad thing. Whereas the whole show... Yeah. He's been told that being soft is a bad thing. Is a bad thing. He goes, I mean, yeah. good. You were kind. You loved animals, and you were always looking to help people. And he, he keeps saying, like, you're a good kid, Georgie. You've always been such a good kid. I love how yeah. his dad calls him Georgie. It's so cute. But then he says, you know, I want to tell you that I think you're crazy if you let Callie get away. Which is a line thrown in there for such an important reason. And I get, because he, like, goes on later and is like, no, she gets you. She gets you in a way that your family never has. And so I, like, I get why that's pulled in there, put in there, because, like, yeah, Callie gets him in the way that his family never does. But I also think, like, you have people like Meredith, like Izzy, who get George better than, like, his family, but also better than Uh, Yeah, I would throw in uh, another name. I would throw in Berg as well. I think... Those three, I yes, think Burke, Meredith, and that. Izzy, in a strange way, get George more than, or the most of anyone on the show. But Meredith, mm-hmm. in such a strange, fascinating, and, like, satisfying way, I feel like almost gets George the most. Maybe Izzy. I think maybe Izzy. But it's just, mm, love it. And then... um I just like how they end it, where he goes, I'm discarding. And then George goes, dog murderer. And then they both laugh. It's so cute. And I just... Now we get a scene that 
honestly scarred me to my core. This this scene is so so awkward like meredith is just walking mr o'malley down the hallway with george and mrs o'malley and thatcher just like doesn't see that there's anyone else around and he just like stops meredith from walking this random patient that he's never met and i'm like what are you doing it's also like the two of them cannot communicate like he's like meredith hello and she's like hello and then she's like busy with work we have a patient and then everyone's just like hello hello hi 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 (laughs) and then he's just like well it was nice seeing you bye (laughs) yeah and i just like thatcher's like social awareness is even is probably the worst of any character we've ever seen and burke is on this show I just love how, like, awkward it is. And everyone, like, George's parents, and, like, they're all, like, staring at Thatcher, like, what the hell? I feel like George, in his mind, is like, this George, No, but George knows so Meredith's much. dad. Remember, George delivered know, that like, scene that makes me cry? Yeah, but that was, like, a normal speech. This is, like, something, like, awkward, and he's probably just like, oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> the spitting image. I understand and her. And Louise goes, <laughs> is that your ex-boyfriend? <laughs> And I, which oh my god, I know that Louise is not supposed to be the sharpest tool in the shed, but in what nauseating alternate reality would somebody think that somebody that looks like Ellen Pompeo would be in a relationship with someone that looks like Jeff Perry? It's also like weird because I'm like he's her father, so like that'd be someone like asking like if George was like dating his mother. Like they're very clearly like two different eight. Like I don't know. It's just And then Meredith weird. goes, that's my ex-father. Like, she says that like a hitman. Yeah. And Louise is like, who is this monster that my son lives with? <laughs> Louise is like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Meredith says that with so little emotion, it's, mm, it's questionable. Scar- it's scary, but hilarious at the same Yeah, time. well, it's scary to anyone who doesn't know Meredith well, but it's hilarious to us. And I know that we go a little bit too much into the detail of this show, but this hallway has been in the scene. It has been in the show before, but it's never been shot from this direction. And when it is, you can see that there's like an indoor courtyard by this hallway. And it's freaking cool. It looks so modern and like like um, bright and open. I love it. I would want to like walk around this building and check it out. Yeah, so now we cut to the scene that we were kind of alluding to earlier when they're in surgery and Meredith for, you know, the entire audience is like, so that's it, we're closing him back up. And Bailey's like, no, we'll proceed. And this is one of those moments where Meredith's like, I've survived worse mentality really shines. Mm -hmm. Like this is when that comes in handy. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, I like, I really like the part where like Bailey's like, there's a chance dr gray the request from the patient and then meredith is just like it was private like i like that kind of like understanding and she's like as soon as bailey gets it meredith is like okay like i get it Mm -hmm. and she's like has this ability to stay calm Mm -hmm. yet not detached love it and now we get a scene between addison and burke Mm -hmm. and we get a better view of this shirt which is still horrendous this shirt just looks like a vagina. Anyway, um, the it does. 
<laughs> the thing horrific. that's so nice about having such a massive cast on this show is that you can get so many interesting pair-ups. And it keeps the dialogue and the show feeling fresh. Because, mm-hmm. like, we haven't had, like, a Burke and Addison scene in a hot minute. Yeah. And it just really keeps things feeling fresh and, like, new all the time. I do like how they open with Preston. Oh, Addison. Like, such a reference to the Bond yeah. episode. And yes. I got it right away. I was like, yep. <laughs> uh. But, like, from a writing point of view, what is the purpose of this scene? Um, I mean, this is kind of the moment where we really, like... One, I think, under- get kind of that, like, power struggle of, like, what's going on between Burke and Christina. But I think it's also, like, crucial that they chose Addison to be with this scene because I feel like everyone else has these kind of weird things in their relationship where they're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, if it was Derek, Derek would be like, that makes sense. And, like, mm-hmm. Burke wouldn't open up to anyone. But, like, Addison is, like, almost this kind of, like, grown like figure like mature figure and so i feel like she's one of like i'm like the few people that like burke is like saying this to and she's like and she says like what oh that's pathetic Mm -hmm. you know well what i meant was that like the reason why the writers put this in here is to make it adamantly clear for people in the audience watching what burke's mentality is regarding this situation Mm-hmm. So he ex- he's literally explaining it to Addison so the audience can understand it. Which, yeah. I mean, not a bad choice. I, I, I don't dislike it. But um, I do like how they, you, they reference the game Say Uncle. Mm-hmm. He explains it, you know. And, but I like this. And then Addison goes, then what happens? Then they have all the power. And I was like, oh, that whole scene was there just for that one line. Mm-hmm. And uh, the power dynamic and the power struggle between Burke and Christina has been there since day one. It's been their biggest issue, and it won't go away. It won't be going away anytime soon. I also like when she goes, I see. And then she smiles in this, like, sadistic, devilish way. She looks like Azula. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. Mm-hmm. I also like when she, like, because she first says, that's pathetic. And then Burke goes, like, you might be right. It's like Burke knows that what he's doing is immature. Or, like, dumb, yeah. Is it almost like he knows that what he's doing is immature, but this is the way that Christina has played out a lot of the situations, and he has always caved, and so this time he is like, I'm not going to cave this time. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think in his sense... We kind of talked about it a little bit last episode, but he really feels, like, betrayed Mm -hmm. by Christina. And I think, again, like you said, like, he's always the one that caves. And I feel like he's really in this point of, like, no, you betrayed me, like. Well, I feel like he's always the peacemaker. Yeah. And this time he's just like, I'm going to give you a little taste of your own medicine. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great scene. So then Callie tries to insert herself into George's life and she goes to him while he is kind of just freaking out while his dad's in surgery and tries to stare him down. 
It's honestly, I don't know what this says about me. I don't know what it says about their relationship, but this is my favorite George and Callie scene so far. I feel like it's one the most like honest. Mm-hmm. A lot of like both of them are being, but I also like again because Sarah Ramirez is kind of again in that more like comedic role because she's like staring him down again, and which it's is hilarious. where which is where again like she really shines, and mm-hmm. so I feel like you're finally kind of getting that like almost real chemistry between Sarah and Tr. Yes, and Sarah Ramirez, like honestly, I. I'm, it's a shame that she hasn't been in more comedies because she is so good at comedy. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I love it. And we and see I, it more later, too. Yeah. She gets some good comedic moments. but Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> so funny. Um, but then we get, like, TR is such a good actor because he's able to communicate that George is kind of like, I see that you're trying to make me feel better, and so I'm not going to, like, yell at you, but I just, like, don't really need this right now. Yeah. That's what he's, like, communicating through his mm-hmm. eyes. Yeah, so then Bailey and Meredith, like, kind of come in the doorway. And he ditches her ass. And the song Which Beggars, makes sense, but... Yeah. The song Beggar's Prayer, the demo version by Emiliana Torini, starts playing. This song is a masterpiece. Love it. Mm-hmm. And George takes his family in to see Mr. O'Malley, who's still intubated, whatever. and But he, like, can't go in the room. <sighs> And it's probably one of the most, like, gut-wrenching scenes of this whole episode because he just can't go in that room. And it's hands down, will make my top Meredith George moments of Grey's Anatomy. It's just so genuine and so earnest and loving. It's really great. Like, I just love... Like, and she leans her head on his shoulder. She, like grabs his forearm and he grabs hers and it's just so like genuine mm-hmm. and such a humanistic moment oh good job grace day three Woohoo, we made it derek is not even in her bed anymore <laughs> this time this she, is how bad it's gotten guys yeah i love this she goes all the way down the hall to George's room, and she goes, oh, you have got to be kidding me. Where is George? He spent the night at the hospital, and you slept in his bed all night? No, just after you fell asleep. I also love, so she's like, so you're telling me that my snoring is so bad. How did you deal with it for all those nights before I found out? Like, and Izzy just, like, casually walks by and is like, yeah, he usually sleeps on the couch, sets an alarm, gets back in bed before you wake up, and then just, like, leaves. Like... Yeah, she doesn't even stop walking, which is so, like, the, the comedy is so good. And But, like, analyze that. That's so psychotic. Instead of just, like, talking about a situation, he, like, does that. Like, that's psychotic. That's Derek. That's Derek in a nutshell. I just... Or I'm going to do more than hurt your feelings. This is honestly probably one of the cutest moments between Meredith and Derek of all time. It's they're they're adorable. He like pulls her down and then breathes on her and she's laughing and like her adorable laugh and it's just so good. And the song <laughs> Rest of My Life by Michelle Featherstone is playing. And then George is just like in the background somewhere like I need to burn these sheets. <laughs> I'm going to clean these sheets. And by clean, I mean throw in a dumpster. 
Yeah, so then we get this kind of short scene of, like, Izzy just, like, in the kitchen, staring at the check, and you just see her, like, grab it. Yeah, pull it down, and it cuts straight over to the to a bank. <laughs> this man. <laughs> Where this man takes the cake for best character. I just love, she's like, she's sobbing. Like, hysterical. She's just like, ah. And then, like, is that... It's covered in food. Is this some I love kind of the joke? Way he, I love the way he looks at it. Like, his eyes are, like, half closed. Like, his eyebrows are so uh, furrowed, and he's like, God damn it. It is a kind of joke. A really cool joke. I'm sorry. You want me to deposit it? <laughs> like, he's like, what the hell I'm is supposed happening? to do something good. So I'm supposed to do something good, and I can't. Can you just deposit the damn thing already? <laughs> oh. It, Catherine it, Heigl is so good. His facial expression—he's like, "What the hell is this? Like, what is happening?" I'm actually like really surprised that they even took that check. So, so true. It's like disgusting. He's like, "What is this?" But like, analyze this. So Izzy's main thing for not depositing it is because she says she wants to do something good with the money. Yeah. But that's not the real reason. I mean, the real reason, and this is just me speculating, but is that the only she knows that the only reason she has this money is because Denny died. Yeah. And if she doesn't, if it's not in her bank account, then technically she doesn't really have that money. Yeah. And that money is one of the only remaining things that she has from Denny. So depositing it is like another form of admitting that he's truly gone for good. Mm-hmm. And I think that she feels weighed down by the money because she doesn't feel like she did anything to earn it or deserve it. I feel yeah. like she might think that she she still might be carrying guilt that she killed Denny, even though she didn't, you know? Mm-hmm. And the only way to get rid of the weight is to spend it on something that would honor Denny's memory. Mm-hmm. And I so. think it's, like, really hard for her because she's, like, Denny was such a good person for her and, like, did so much to her that sh- for her that she's, like, it's almost, like, in a way, like, what can measure up and, like, honor his life, you know? Because- and I think I think what she's realizing is that the answer is nothing. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, like, I also wonder if, like, part of her, like, being uncomfortable or, like, not knowing it is, like, she is this person who really grew up with nothing. And mm-hmm. so I almost wonder if, like, that scares her in a way, too, of, like, if she, like, deposit it, deposits it, is it, like, am I going to end up doing, like, spending it on something else, like, that I don't, like, that doesn't, you know, like, if there's, like, that kind of fear in there as well. She's also somebody who works her butt off. Like, you know how she, like, modeled so that she wasn't in debt? Mm-hmm. She's she doesn't really know what to do with excess, I mm-hmm. would say. Mm-hmm. And then we get kind of like this nice little scene. Speaking of the bromance between George and Burke. The Burke Mance. Um, you know, they're talking about his father's surgery. And I just love the like, George, do you mind me asking how's your hand? I don't mind if you ask. I will mind if you tell Christina. And George is just like you two have a strange relationship, which is, like, no shit. And then Burke, like, without missing a beat, he just goes, yes, we do. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> like, he, like, he just knows. Like, he's made his bed, and he's like, yep. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna own that. 
So then we have Meredith staring at her father through, like, down the hall through a window like a hitman. She's so weird. She's so creepy. And Alex is like, do you need something? She goes, no, I'm fine. Which, of course, means that she's not. Alex is just like, who are you? What the hell? And, like, yeah. just, like, walks in. Another really interesting thing is you get this, like, slight little thing of, like, Thatcher talking to Laura, the baby. Mm-hmm. And it's such a stark contrast to, like, the way that he talks to Meredith. And, like, it's so interesting. Like, he's just like, when you go home, you'll have your own very own room. And it's, like, so sweet and stuff. And so it's, like, it's interesting because I feel like I'm really starting to see kind of, like, the damage that, like, Ellis and, like, all of that kind of stuff had on Thatcher. And more importantly, like, Thatcher's relationship with Meredith. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I mean, we'll get much more of people. Just wait. Whether you want to or not, we're going to dive into that. And Meredith goes to Derek and she goes, my father's here. Your father. You know, the one that I don't talk to and barely know. He's here. You're Is like, he here to see you? Besides no. besides your other father? Like, what was he confused? Like, she's like, I have 15 fathers. This one's the one that's here. Like, but you're my daddy. Like, what the hell? <laughs> Yeah, and she goes, where do you sleep? At the trailer. When we are at the trailer, where do you sleep? And then Derek, he sleeps in a freaking hammock outside. (laughs) He's so psychotic. What if it was like winter? What was his plan? He literally sleeps outside to avoid Meredith. Also, how does Meredith sleep through all that? That's... And also, like, how bad does she snore? Because the couple clips that we've gotten aren't that bad. Derek is just such a princess. <laughs> and she goes, I'm a girl with abandonment issues. You have to sleep from with me from now on. And I was like, that's so true, though. Yeah. And I also like how, like, you almost miss that line. Like, Yeah, but, like, it's actually, like, really deep. And important, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Next scene is just pretty simple. Izzy gets the all clear, um, but Heather, like, they can't afford the surgery and their insurance won't cover it. Yeah, whatever. Not important. So Um, then we get kind of another short scene where Laura has gotten much worse very quickly and Thatcher has yet again become a stumbling, bumbling moron. It seems like the only person he can talk to is this baby because the baby (laughs) can't talk back to him. (laughs) Oh my god. Anyone else he, like, cannot talk to. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. Like, do you think there's, like, something psychologically wrong I with I don't him? even know. Can he talk to, like, Molly normally? I don't or? know. But I don't, been, we'll have to wait and see. Because I think he talks to Susan pretty well. Yeah. His wife. Thank god. <laughs> but I will say the writers are doing a superb job at characterizing Thatcher as the kind of guy that Ellis could walk all over. Yes. So, good job there. Yes. And uh, in the surgery, uh, they have, like, a little scare with the baby, and Alex goes, whew, scary. And then Addison delivers the line that I think we need to award the line of the episode. You're telling me. This is Meredith Gray's niece. If I lost her, people might think I did it on purpose. Which is also a joke, because Meredith could not give, like, she doesn't also, care. Well, and also, Meredith is watching this surgery, and I'm like, is the sound on? <laughs> in the gallery? Because, like, Alex just, like, blatantly laughs at this. And Mara's just, like, in the gallery just, like, 
These two are laughing at me. You're next. No, no, Meredith is probably like, that sounds right. <laughs> She's just like, I would be mad, except for it's true. <laughs> I would destroy you. Okay. <laughs> and what does it say about the fact that every single time Thatcher's in the hospital, the chief always wants to reach out to him and make him feel better, but can't. Like, the chief is seriously a, a good person. Mm-hmm. You know, like, he... Remember last time he was in the hospital and um what was it two two twenty two he like walked up to him and was just like i i'm trying to talk to you about meredith Mm -hmm. and now here he's like he's worried maybe you should give him an update you Mm -hmm. know and yeah i just love this maybe you can give him an update he's not a big fan of mine he's not a big fan of mine either (laughs) and then the chief I like I like this little part, so I'll be the chief if that's okay. Okay. Your mother was a force to be reckoned with. If she wanted things a certain way, I'm saying your father was a good man when I knew him. And he may have a side in this that you don't know about. What? You think he tried to send me a card every year and my mother has a whole drawer of unopened cards? Because it's not often that my life turns out that way. I don't know. But you don't know either until you ask him. Mm. And it's like, okay, valid. Because we're so inside Meredith and Ellis's head that, like, mm-hmm. we've almost vilified Thatcher for no reason at all. Mm-hmm. And I feel like all of us as the audience are like, yes, Meredith, go talk to him. We want to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, we want more. Yeah, exactly. We're like, take one for the team and go talk to him. We need more. <laughs> we need more drama. So George is monitoring his dad's pee, and he falls off the wagon and kisses Callie, which you liked, so I'll let you talk about it. I was about to say, I know this might surprise everyone, but I actually enjoy this scene, and it's kind of, I don't know, I like, because we just had this whole moment with George's father telling him that Callie understands him like his family doesn't, and then literally in this scene is like, his brothers are like, yeah, like, George being so weird and like obsessed with our dad's pee, and like, George is like explains it or whatever and like just he's like 130 cc's and like callie's like the only one that like gets it and it's like oh my gosh i'm so excited and so i kind of liked that like so by george's dad saying that line to him he's almost it's kind of become like how izzy's waiting for something good to spend her money on it's almost like in a way George being with Callie honors his dad's death. I know I know what you're saying, but based on my knowledge of future episodes and future dialogue, I just want to mention that the reason, the biggest reason why George is with Callie again in the future is because his dad yes. told him to. And that's really critical, so I don't want to miss that. Yes. But I just think it's, like, I don't know. I I just like the kind of, like, like they talked about it earlier, and so now they're, like, showing in. And just a really brief little dialogue between Mark and Addison where Addison goes, Mark, I'm sorry you're hurting. And Mark goes, you're sorry I'm hurting or you're sorry? Honestly, like, the only reason I really liked this is because I feel like this kind of dialogue comes up in other TV shows and in real life. And I've never really made a distinction between it until now. And I'm like, I'm glad that Gray's made that distinction because it is very different to say mm-hmm. like, it, like, is, 
is it really you apologizing if you're just saying like I'm sorry that my choice that I don't feel bad about is affecting you yeah it's like are you sorry that I like I'm upset about this or are you actually sorry you did it Mm -hmm. and either way is valid either answer I think Mm -hmm. Uh, and now we get a scene that I think I don't know if everyone's been waiting for, but, like, I've been waiting for. The two of us certainly have. Have been waiting for. Such a great thing. Because, one, I love... We kind of get this, like, inside one into why Alex kind of wants to go into plastics. Mm-hmm. And we get Addison kind of saying, like, I know this about you because I've learned this about you. So it's like Addison understands Alex in a way that other people haven't really Mm -hmm. been able to pick up on which i love i love the fact that the show isn't making a point yet of trying to make like alex is this like rough kind of like bad guy and later on i feel like they try to like change him into like this great guy or whatever which we can talk about when we get there but i love how like in the first couple seasons they make a point of being like yeah he's this weird like kind of rough like edgy guy or whatever but like his one good quality his one like almost arguably one of his biggest character traits is his loyalty to like people and his like willingness to like if he cares about you like he will like stand up for you and fight for you and that kind of thing Mm. and we see that a lot and i love that like i don't know like the person that he like is showing this for is like it's not an intern. It's, like, the person that arguably, like, understands him the best, and that's Addison. I honestly do think that. I think Addison, at this point in the show, understands him more than anyone else. And it's like, wow. When Addison was introduced in early season two, would anyone have predicted that? No. No. Not at all. Like, I did not see that coming in the best way possible. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's, like, I, like, I was kind of saying, you know, how, like, they try to, like, change him. And it's, like, he did do this, like, great thing because he's, like, oh, like, I did that on purpose. Why? Because he was rude to you. But it's distinctively not, like, I did it because I'm a good person and I'm trying Mm. to, like, stick up for you. It's, like, he's, like, no, that guy was a jerk to you and I'm loyal to people that, I don't know. It's, like, distinctively. He does it in a very Alex-y way. I was about to say, it's, like, distinctively different Mm -hmm. than, like, them trying to change him as a person. Well, and I also like how Addison says, is that why you went into, or you want to go into plastics because people sign up for the pain they get? Like, Alex has had a lot of pain in his life, both physical and emotional, and he did not sign up for it. I was about to say, and we haven't even really, I don't even think we've cracked the surface of Alex's pain Mm -hmm. yet. And it's not, and what's interesting about this scene is that it makes you wonder if he would ever have told Addison that he did that on purpose. Yeah, if this hadn't come up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and that brings up a whole nother level. It's like he doesn't even want credit for the good things that he does, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I like about it. Like, he's not this big, like, oh, I want to be this hero. He's like, no, I'm just loyal. Like, I don't care if you know that I'm standing up for you. But I'm just doing it because, like, that's what I'm, like, what I have to do. He's doing it for him. Like, he's doing it because he has a moral code. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So they get interrupted by a peds nurse. And I have never been so angry in my whole life that this wasn't oh please. Because of all moments for her to reprise her role and say everyone's favorite line, it would have been here. Oh please. So true. Like that stank face just saying oh please would have been 
amazing in this moment. I would have died. Opportunity that missed. That's all I'm saying. Opportunity missed in a big way. So the song Love Will Come Through by Travis is the ending song for this episode. Oh, and this is the scene where like Izzy is like trying like seeing Heather struggling, you know, walking, and she goes, Do you want some help? And she goes, No, I can walk to the bathroom myself, which okay, valid. But I'm I've like I've been doing it my whole life and nothing's changing anytime soon, so just get out of my way. And you're like, Good God. And Izzy's like, Okay, maybe I'll just go jump off a bridge then. Will that make you happy? Like, ugh. <laughs> And Meredith is, again, staring at her father. Like, her father should get a restraining order or something. And They, they need something. <laughs> yeah. Then she runs away as soon as Thatcher sees her. But the end of this episode is so many stares. It's like three straight minutes of them, of all the characters, just sitting, doing nothing, and staring. This episode was not envisioned as a two-part episode. It was a one. It was supposed to be one episode, but it was too long for one episode, and debatably too short for two. Because I think that it was like just over like an hour or something. She said like, or whatever. A pure episode. Yeah. yeah, and it and so like, obviously too long for one. But like, if you split that in half, that's like thirty minutes. And so it's like we have to make them a little bit longer. Yeah. And like, very clearly, I feel like this was, like, one of those scenes where they're like, look off into the distance and look great. I don't know. I just thought the actors did, like, a really good job of, like, really kind of, like, expressing, like, one of where a lot of the characters are mm-hmm. and this, like, confusion. But I also kind of like the, like, uneasiness that all of that just kind of leaves you off on. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't hate it, but I see straight through it. Oh yeah, <laughs> like this, this wasn't like what the show. This wasn't what the episode was first created by. Like this wasn't the first scene they had in mind, and then they created an episode around it. This was clearly here to extend the the runtime. Mm-hmm. So much so that they actually went back to two eighteen, <laughs> and they took a scene of Addison. Yeah. From season two, episode 18, and reused it. It's it's literally... Yeah, she's not wearing her disgusting shirt anymore. She's wearing a different shirt. Yeah, because it's an old shot. Yeah, because it's from 218. Mm-hmm. But I just kind of like it because, like, th- the whole point... Or not, like, the whole point, but, like, a big part of this episode is the fact that, like, each and every one of the characters is going through something right now. You know, it's not just, like, some huge thing of, like, this is the episode where Meredith is just struggling. And so it's, like, again, we see right through it. They are clearly, like, oh, we need to add time. But, like, I thought it was an effective way to end the episode. However, this this is also why Grey's Anatomy gets a bad rep for being, like, an overdramatic chick flick. Because, like, some of my favorite stares... Now, all the stares are amazing, but some of my favorite... Were the chief just walking up in slow motion to Bailey, who's sitting on a gurney doing nothing, and then just staring at her and not saying anything. That was in my top three. My other w- top three is Callie on the stairs. She's just, like, that sitting George on the... fell st- down. No, not the stairs he <laughs> fell down. But that would have been amazing. She's just sitting on the stairs that are, like, in the middle of the hospital. So, like, you know people are, like, trying to get around her. Like, that's not the like the nicest place to sit and she's just staring doing nothing and then my top my favorite staring shot 
is when George is sitting and Izzy just like simply comes up to him and takes his hand. Like doesn't even ask like, do you want me to hold your hand? Doesn't like Mm -hmm. make it awkward. She just automatically goes straight up to him and takes his hand. I love those two. The other one that I kind of liked was like how earlier they showed like Christina in Burke's room, like staring and like he, his eyes were closed and then they go back and his like eyes are open. I kind of liked that Mm -hmm. because it brought back the vibes of like the like bomb. The bomb, and then also, like, the George nose and, like, mm-hmm. that thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I kind of liked that one as well. And everyone is in such turmoil <laughs> that that they're just... They're, sleep is just out of the question, mm-hmm. except for one person. <laughs> I was about to say, in typical Grey's Anatomy fashion, they bring it right back around to Meredith, who is fast asleep with, a, like, a pink nose strip, which I didn't even know they made pink ones. I thought they That's only had, like... Pink. That's red. Whatever. Red nose strip. I'm colorblind. It's fine. I just love how she's sleeping soundly while everyone else is like so like so stressed out and and so uneasy and so worried and just like in a really bad state. And she's just like, well, I'm going to call it a night. I also love how like in the midst of like all of that kind of serious like uneasy, then they pan over to Derek, who just looks like he's so pissed. Derek is like how fucking dare you like when she starts snoring he looks so incredulous he's like this bitch I just want to sleep but she keeps snoring and I can't leave because she has so many issues (laughs) (laughs) it's so true and now I can't leave because she has made me promise not to his face is just like he's like how freaking dare you yeah it's so funny so seriously count for this episode because there is no closing speech is one Mm -hmm. which is better than last episode thank you um and we're gonna wait and do patient rankings next episode because it's a Mm two-parter so it makes sense make one change i know that you mentioned one yeah earlier i don't know i i feel like I'm fine with this episode. I just sometimes wished... And it might just have come down to a budget issue. But instead of having, like, a three-minute part at the end with so many stares, why couldn't it have just been, like, another scene between George and his family? Or I think that there's just something structurally that's wrong with being a 60-minute episode split into two hours, two 40 minutes. That's, I was going to say, to me, it would be so fascinating to learn what the original episode, like, just the, like, one, like, long thing was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I would have liked that. I would have liked to watch it, but I think all in all, I still would have chosen to do it in part one and part two. Yes, I like that. But I think it would just be fascinating to learn, like, which scenes they added in and, like... Mm-hmm. Because yeah. some of them are obvious, but I'm also like, they had to add in like a good chunk of time. So like, which other ones were added, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, next week, we're talking about season three, episode 12, Six Days, part two, also I written by that. Krista Vernoff, also directed by Greg Giantis. <laughs> and I, I want to say that they probably filmed it all at once, and then I they went so. back and added more. So, yeah. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, we would love it. On Twitter, it, our handle is at Grey's Uncut. If you have a longer question or comment, you can uh, 
email us at graysanatomyuncut at gmail.com. And we also have a website where all of our episodes are posted, and that's graysanatomyuncut.home.blog. Also, please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes, and I will read your review in a voice of your choice. Ooh, got a little rhyme there. (laughs) Okay. So yeah, anything you want to add? I don't think so. Um, just I'm ex- next week is gonna be a doozy. It is, and I really love TR. Like hashtag Dark George just gets darker. Just wait, people. All right. Well, signing off. Bye.